Hey, if you're visiting with us, special welcome to you. Uh, I'm Seth, and I'm the pastor here at Shore Elam Church. Now, we're so pleased that you've joined us today, and hope that you have uh, already started to have a great morning and enjoy the rest of your morning with us. Uh, do hang around and have a cup of tea with us afterwards, or a coffee. Uh, we're not really as scary as we look. Um, we're only half as scary as we look, but that's all right, I think, uh, You'll survive that. So uh, over the next two weeks, as, as Debbie said, um, I'm heading off to Southeast Asia in, uh, on Tuesday week. Uh, so over the next couple of weeks, I wanted to share uh, a couple of messages based on a teaching that Debbie and I recently heard by a pastor whose name is Joel Mulgate. Uh, he's a young pastor, and uh, I kind of have to just, I, I need to acknowledge uh, that this word was birthed out of what he shared to a group of pastors um, and uh, I've taken uh, what he shared and adapted us for us this morning. He spoke on a whole lot of things. You know, when sometimes you go to pastors' meetings and they just speak on everything and throw everything out there. Uh, and so he had a whole lot of things that he was speaking on, but there was uh, one point that really stood out for me, which uh, I thought would be great uh, to share over the next two weeks in a message uh, series that I've called The God Gap. So... It's very rare we get a two-week series to start with, uh, but this is hopefully going to be one that's going to be packed with some stuff with you. And uh, it's a series uh, that we're going to explore through the life and calling of God on, a, on the life of a man by the name of Gideon, whose story we find in Judges chapter 6 uh, and 8. And so let's just pray before we get into that. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord. Uh, for your word, Father. It's your word that teaches us all things. Father, it's your word that is truth. And so, Lord, I just submit to you this morning and, and I pray, Father God, that uh, as I speak, Lord, that your spirit will go uh, forth and, uh, Father, multiply this word to every individual and to their uh, personal lives this morning. Heavenly Father, I just pray that as uh, we gather together this morning that you would move uh, continuously in a fresh way over our lives. And Father, we just pray, Lord, that uh, you would have your way in this place and that your will will be done in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen, amen. And so we're in Judges, uh, and just to, to get a little bit of a background, um, jo Joshua has just um, passed away, and uh, we're in a season in the life of the Israelites where they're, they're lacking leadership, uh, and at, at this time, they're kind of starting to worship all sorts of other gods. So they're worshiping the gods of the people that are around them and not the God who they had this covenant with to worship him alone because he was the God who had brought them out uh, of Egypt. And so uh, they go through the season in Judges uh, and just leading up towards the end of Joshua into Judges where... Uh, th throughout their life, they go from um, being unfaithful to God and turning their back on their covenant with God to having uh, their enemies who are around them gain control of them. So now they're under the control of their enemies. Uh, and then they go, they do what everyone else does when we're kind of oppressed and under pressure. We kind of go, God, where are you? Uh, you know, we kind of, they, they cry out to God and then God delivers them through a judge who we read in chapter 2 of Judges, uh, people who God has appointed and who God uh, 
has set apart uh, to uh, deliver his people and who God has raised up to deliver his people. And so Gideon, who we're going to be looking at, is one of these judges uh, who God has picked out. And so we're going to pick uh, the story up in Judges 6, uh, verse 11. And to start with, and it says this, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, I think that's how you say it, which was in Or. Oprah, Oprah, Oprah likes to think that that's her name, but it's not, it's like Oprah, uh, which belonged to Joash and uh, which, it's, it does have all the good ones, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. So we're just going to pause there for a minute. So the first, the first thing we hear of Gideon is that uh, we learn that Gideon's kind of hiding. He's hiding uh, down in the wine press. You know, wheat, so the wheat was normally uh, sorted and it was normally separated uh, on the threshing floor, which was up out in the open, so that as they were doing the sorting, the wind would come and uh, sweep away all the chaff that was around when they were sorting it. And the, the fact that we find Gideon down in the in the in the wine press, threshing wheat, kind of shows uh, the desperation of the Israelites to hide away what they're doing. And, and it actually says that he was down there to hide. Uh, because the Midianites, uh, whenever they had their harvest, the Midianites would come and steal all the harvest from the Israelites and then burn up all their land, leaving them nothing. And so now you have a man who's, who's down threshing wheat in the wine press, hiding from uh, the Midianites, who would often come, ruin, uh, and destroy uh, what they're doing. So that's why he's down there, uh, if you're wondering. I, I wondered why he's down there. So we're going to pick it up again at verse 12. Is that right? And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Wouldn't that be cool to have the Spirit of God just go, the Lord, mighty man, call him a mighty man. Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, uh, why then has all this happened to us? And why are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you. And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And so God's speaking to Gideon, uh, and in their conversation, uh, we kind of sense, uh, you may have sensed in reading it there, we kind of sense in Gideon's response uh, a little bit of doubt around God's presence with his people. Uh, you can sense in Gideon's uh, response a little bit of disappointment about not seeing God at work. You know, he's like, well, where are you now, God? We've heard all these stories about the God who brought us 
out of Egypt. We've heard all these stories about how God parted the Red Sea, and yet we're now living under domination of the Midianites. And so we sense uh, Gideon's disappointment there, and we even sense a bit of insecurity from Gideon about uh, whether he's even the right person for the job and whether he is a fit for what God is calling him to. And so right at the outset uh, of Gideon's story, we have uh, this gap between where Gideon is at, where Gideon sees himself, and and this is a man who is hiding in the winepress. We see this gap between where Gideon is and where God says Gideon is going to be. Do you see that this morning? And so there's this gap in Gideon's life between him and between the calling on his life. You know, when I came onto staff um, in 2015, uh, we, we had a five-year succession plan for me to go along. There was a five-year journey that I was going to be going on before I was the leader of this church. Now, if you do the maths between 2015 and five years, that's still a couple of years away. And so um, we, got to, we got to about the six-month mark. And so at this point, I'm, I'm the executive pastor was my title, and I was supporting um, Pastor Mez, who was the senior pastor. And we're six months into it, uh, and, and I I'm actually not sure if I've ever shared this, but I had a major freak out. Uh, to, oh, oh, absolute turning point. Where all of a sudden, I realized in five years from now, God's calling me to be the lead pastor. And my freak out was, I don't even know if I want to be that. I don't even know if I'm fit to be that. And so there was this fear and this uh, inadequacy, and, and it was very much like, well, God... Is that really what you're calling me to? Insecure, inadequate, fear, feelings I'm sure we've all felt before uh, at some point in our life, and fear about the path that, that I was on and the path that I was committing myself to. And this, this at that time was still four and a half years, this was still four and a half years before it was going to happen from what I could tell. Um, but there was always this sense of a gap between where I was and what God was calling me to. It still feels like it's there sometimes, but it's better. But there's, there was this sense of this gap between what I felt I was capable of. And so, you know, towards the end of that same year, Towards the end of that same year, we had a men's prayer breakfast uh, with David Peters, who, <laughs> oh dear, who prophesied over me. Just be careful when you get proph- prophets to prophesy over you. It's a dangerous thing, man. Uh, so we're there, and, and he prophesied over me promotion and ministry. And he said, God's going to give you promotion and ministry. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, five years, four years. Amen. And then he said, it's going to come soon. 
And then he looked at me and he said, you need to embrace it. And that was the week that it began to unfold that my five-year succession plan to become the lead pastor was going to be more like one year. You know, when there's a God gap in our lives, it always feels challenging. It always feels scary, uh, frightening. But when God speaks, uh, and we're going to see, uh, you know, certain examples of that in Gideon's life. When God speaks right throughout our journey, we can be confident that we're going to be okay. Amen? You know, in verse 16 of the verses we read today, God says to Gideon, surely I will be with you. Great promise. The promise we see right throughout Scripture a promise that was given to Moses, the promise that was given to Joshua, surely I will be with you. You know what, church? It's the promise that's been given to us. He will be with us. And so as we kick off this two-part series, uh, I want to begin by asking two uh, key questions to get us kind of thinking uh, about this topic. And the first question is, can you identify your God gap? What is God calling you to in your life that is so big, it's impossible for you to do? What is God calling you to in your life that you just can't possibly do without God? that only God can fulfill it in you. And as much as you try to fill it yourself, as much as you try to fill it from other people, as much as other people try to fill it for you, you know that there's no way you're gonna fully fulfill it unless it's God who's filling the God gap. And you know, we've all got gaps in need. We've all got gaps in, uh, we've all got gaps in provision. Uh, we might have gaps in our, our needs for healing and sickness where, we, where we're believing God to do the impossible uh, physically or medically or financially, uh, but that's not the gap I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the gap where God has called you to do something that you think you just can't possibly do in your own strength. Gideon was being called to save his people, to save Israel. Now, sometimes that gap is made up uh, between our reality, you know, what we know is true, what is true in the physical, and what God's calling us to do, you know, what God has chosen us for. And here's what I mean by that. Gideon says to God in verse 15, indeed my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. Gideon is making a statement about uh, what he knows to be true. 
uh, as far as we know, it is true. Because the Bible story shows that they were under oppression from the Midianites. And as far as we're aware, this is the case. His clan was the weakest of that group. But not only does he say this about his clan, uh, Gideon goes on to say, and I am the weakest. I'm, I'm the least of my clan. Probably also true. And so what Gideon is saying, that not, not only are we the weakest clan, I'm, I'm the weakest of my clan. So I'm, I'm the weakest of the weakest. What a great choice Gideon is. He's saying he's the weakest of the weakest. He's the least of the weakest. And God knows all of this about Gideon, but God chose Gideon anyway. What has God chosen you for? That freaks you out just a little bit. You know, that gap's a gap of perspective. And as we're going to see um, throughout the life of Gideon, God does things to make that gap even practically for Gideon, which we'll look at next week. You know, when I finally sat down uh, before the church oversight with my decision to continue on this journey, because uh, they had to wait a couple of weeks for me, you know, to kind of sort myself out, or have Debbie sort me out anyway. When I finally sat down before them, uh, I, man, I still felt scared. I still felt insecure. I still wasn't sure if I would succeed. I, I don't know if I'm very sure if I'm succeeding now, but that's all right. But the only thing I was sure of was that God had called me. And so I had to trust and have faith that whatever I was lacking, that whatever I was missing, that whatever was in this big hole that was making me fearful, whatever was in this big gap that was making me hesitant, I had to trust that God was going to fill that gap like only He can. Fill it with strength. Fill it with faith. Fill it with hope. Fill it with his promise. Is that all right this morning? You know, Pastor Joel, who we were uh, listening to during the session, made this statement at the meeting, which I thought was great. He said, he said, God doesn't ask us to feel who he says we are. You know, God called Gideon before Gideon tried to fill in the gap himself. God called Gideon a mighty man of valor. God doesn't ask us to feel who he says we are. He asks us to accept it. He's asking you to accept who he says you are. Because what he says is truth. And what he says is true. And the verse that really carried me through uh, those months of insecurity and doubt was Ephesians 2.10, where 
which some of you may know well. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm his workmanship. And he'd prepared a will, he'd prepared a walk for me to walk. He'd prepared a good work for me to walk in. And it's the same for all of you. Can you identify your God gift? Our next question this morning. Whose voice are you following? You know, I think that there are three voices that we could, that we could have speak into our lives, three voices that we could have speak uh, into our circumstances, into our God gaps. And whether we hear them or not, whether we can identify who's speaking or not, uh, you know, I believe that there, there are these three voices that are kind of speaking uh, at us and into our lives uh, regularly. And these three voices are one, the voice of God, the voice of God that speaks to us uh, through His Word, which is why it's so important that we are in His Word. The voice of God that speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, which is, so, which is why it's important that we're Spirit-filled people. The voice of God that speaks to us through, uh, through prophecy, through prophetic ministry, through prayer. You know, when Dave Peters gave me that word that promotion was coming, that it was coming soon, and that I had to embrace it, when it came out that it was going to be a year and not five years, there was no doubt about what I was going to do at that point. God speaks through the prophetic word. God speaks through messages. He might be speaking to you now, which is why it's so important we're in church as often as we can. God speaks through fellowship with other Christians, which is why it's so important that we're connected with other Christians who we trust and who can speak into our lives. That's the first voice we could have speaking to us. The second one's the devil. <clears throat> Not really much to say about his voice except for that uh, his is the voice of lies, his is the voice of fear, and his is the voice of deception. Uh, that, that's pretty much, that's his MO. It's to, to, it's to lie to you, it's to make you fearful, it's to deceive you, because all he wants to do is steal, rob, and to destroy. Man, doesn't that sound like a Midianite type MO? Come and steal the harvest, rob it, and then to destroy the land, so that it took almost a whole nother year for them to reharvest again. And then the other voice that we can have talking to us is ours. And I like to think of our voice, well, I like to call our voice the voice of reason. Does anyone else think they're the voice of reason? We're the voice that tries to make sense of everything. God says, you go do this, and we're like, okay, God, here's how I'm gonna do it. If I can get this here, get that there, and if you can just, you know, get that, you can just have that person bless you for a million bucks. Our voice is the voice of reason. And what we do is we take our experience in life, we take our, we take our personal preferences, 
we take all the hurt that we've ever gathered up in life, we take the culture that we've been brought up in and the culture that we're living in and the culture that's kind of out there, and we take our attitudes and then we try to fill the gap ourselves. And so I, I think that we're always going to be hearing these three voices. There's the potential for all of them to speak to us. And it's like the frequencies. Uh, you know, over our heads now, there's like thousands of frequencies flying through the air. You know, it's frying your brain cells right now. No, I'm just kidding. No one was listening anyway. They didn't get it. There's all these frequencies flying through the air uh, right now. And in your, car, in your car radio, you've got a whole lot of frequencies in your car. So, you know, when you're thinking in there, just think about your brain frying. No, don't do that. There's multiple frequencies that you can tune into and uh, listen to. And with all these voices that are going on and that the, all these voices that are speaking into your God gaps, what matters most is the voice that we're tuned into. Amen? What matters most is whose voice you're following. You know, when I was having my freak out uh, at that six-month period, what it came down to was the fact that Debbie and I had had prophetic word after prophetic word after prophetic word spoken um, into our ministry. You know, very early on in my ministry, I had it spoken over my life. Uh, I think it was about uh, a year into my ministry at the city. I had it spoken into my life that God had planted a church in me. When leading a church was the furthest thing from my mind. You know, Debbie and I had multiple prophetic words leading up to that year, 2015, after we'd come out of the city, uh, about leading a church. And that, that came with instruction. He said, God's got a church for you guys. And three times the instruction was we were to learn, we were to submit to leadership, and we were to serve. And so that's what we did. Because we wanted to follow the voice of God. And the reason why it matters what voice we're listening to, the reason why it matters for us to be able to discern the different voices that are speaking into our God gaps is because I, I believe that the voice we listen to most is going to impact our gap in three different ways. The voice of God is going to confirm it. When you're standing here and what God is asking you to do feels like it's all the way over there. And you're seeking God and you're in God's word and then you're alongside people who can speak into your life. God starts to work through people and through his word to confirm what you're walking to. The voice of God confirms it. The voice of God fills your gap with faith. You know, with confirmation comes the sense of faith that God's going to do something great. The voice of the devil will close your gap, causing us to completely miss out. And our voice 
our voice of reason will decrease it. Causing us either to pass it on, which I very almost did, or it causes us to try and narrow the gap that only God can fill down to something that makes sense to us so that we can begin working on filling it. Bringing it down to our comfort zone and to our ability, which I believe only robs us from seeing the fullness of what God wants to do. So whose voice are you following? John 10, verse 27. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So the God gap is a gap that I believe we all need. I believe to live with a God gap is to live in need of faith. To live in need of God's promise, of God's miracle, or the thing that only God can do and not you. You know, if we live knowing that everything's sorted and if we live filling the gap ourselves uh, and filling it with our own stuff and, and not uh, leaving space for God, then where is the room for God in our lives? If there's not a God gap in your life, if you struggle to answer that first question, then I haven't got this question down, down here, but I feel just to challenge you with it. If you, haven't, if you can't see the God gap, that place that requires faith for, for God to do what only God can do, then where is the room for God in your life? 